0: We're very thankful today to be joined by Illinois State Representative Patrick Windhorst. Patrick, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks, Will. Appreciate the opportunity.
0: Wanted to bring you on to discuss news that was reported last Friday, and it's that uh, Southern District Federal Judge Stephen McGlenn issued a, well, what would it be, an injunction?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: That would essentially enjoin the state from enforcing the assault weapons ban that was passed and signed into law back in January. And this uh case has taken many twists and turns. Essentially, in a nutshell, this ruling says that everybody in the state of Illinois uh has the same Second Amendment rights they had before the law was signed, at least temporarily. Do I understand that right, or am I wrong?
1: Well, that's basically it. Uh, the The federal court in the Southern District, uh, th- that judge in that, that uh, federal district, ruled that the um, assault weapons ban as it related to the regulation of the firearms within uh, the ban is likely unconstitutional and therefore issued an injunction uh, against enforcement of that law until a final ruling of the court which uh, you know, the phrase likely unconstitutional is used because it's not a final ruling not a final uh, decision of the court but a preliminary injunction uh, which means the law will not be enforced until um, there could be a final ruling in the case
0: So one thing that has confused me greatly is that for the last 90 days, there have been two classes of citizens in Illinois when it comes to the Second Amendment. You've had those people who paid the $200 to join various lawsuits filed by various attorneys who then won some victories, but the Illinois Attorney General said that those judicial outcomes only applied to the people that were a part of the lawsuit and everybody else was still under the jurisdiction of the law that was passed and signed by the governor. But this action then essentially puts everybody in the state of Illinois accessing their Second Amendment rights once again, at least temporarily, on the same plane. I mean, do you understand why this has been confusing?
1: Oh, yes, it's uh, it's been confusing. For the public, I know it's been confusing for attorneys, even um, in, in dealing with the various lawsuits. Of course, those lawsuits that you've referenced that potentially created two classes of citizens as it related to firearms rights was that were the state lawsuits uh, that had been filed and were are now still proceeding through uh, the state court system. And some actually, one of the cases is on appeal before the state supreme court. And we anticipate later this month there'll be arguments, and sometime this summer. Uh, there will be a ruling from the state Supreme Court. Of course, the federal lawsuit would would uh, override that, meaning that by the federal court enjoining uh, the law, then not that it doesn't necessarily make the state cases irrelevant, but at the time, at the current time, uh, that law is not being enforced uh, pending further action in the federal court. So again, not to add to more confusion, having the two tracks that are going at the same time does uh, create uh, some concern. Now, as it relates to the state cases and having two different classes of citizens, so to speak, I I was arguing and still argue that when the uh, court issues an order against the governor and the attorney general, uh, not that the the law is unconstitutional, they should not be enforcing that law uh, until there's been a resolution on appeal uh, to enforce it because you, you know, we have equal protection rights uh, and we should be treated equally under the law, and there shouldn't be certain individuals who have the authority to purchase and possess those firearms under the Constitution and others who are not. It should be universal in its application. Uh, that argument, I guess, could come up again if something occurs with a federal lawsuit that uh, is not favorable to Second Amendment rights. But at the moment, uh, that that's more of an intellectual discussion.
0: Are you aware of any enforcement action of the assault weapons ban has passed in the state of Illinois since it was signed into law?
1: I am not. Uh, There were some uh, anecdotal evidence, I guess. There was some anecdotal evidence that uh, right after the signing, state police officers were informing uh, gun dealers of certain obligations under the new law, but I wouldn't interpret that uh, as necessarily an enforcement action. It could be that there were some enforcement actions taken I'm not aware of. I don't want to say it didn't happen, but I've not been made
0: aware of them. It seems to me that this is a case where the law really hasn't been enforced, but the governor, the attorney general, and others are not going to say that it won't be enforced, because while simply saying it won't be enforced doesn't necessarily legally impact their case, but... It could be used against them as a part of an argument. Look, these, these people aren't even you know, in, enforcing their own laws. If nothing else, it's a bad political tact to take uh, for folks who hold the position that they hold. I would agree with that statement, that it would be a, a bad
1: uh, political tactic, perhaps even have some legal implications as well. I would, uh, talking about enforcement, want to make one Caveat to that. And, you know, the, the gun dealers who are attempting, potentially attempting to sell the firearms covered by this law, my understanding is have not been able to sell them. So while there hasn't been enforcement, as in someone being arrested or weapons being seized, there has been, to my understanding, a prohibition on the sale or new sale of firearms. So there has been impacts from the law, even if uh, there hasn't been. Uh, direct enforcement that's my understanding how uh, how it's played out uh so the the law has had an impact on the second rent rights of individuals even though the registration part of the law for those firearms already possessed has not kicked in because that occurs later this year if the law were to be enforceable uh, if the state where it went on appeal
0: what a convoluted but- mess
1: It is a mess, and that's why I tell people uh, who ask me about it that uh, you know I can tell you what's occurred with the suits. I can tell you what's uh, what the law says, but if you're involved in the, particularly if you're involved in the business uh, of uh, selling firearms, but actually any individual, you probably need to talk with an attorney because there are so many different wrinkles uh, and to the lawsuits that have played out that um, any person's individual position. may be different than another's.
0: others. We're visiting with Illinois State Representative Patrick Windhorst today. We're discussing the fact that Federal Judge Stephen McGlenn has enjoined the state of Illinois from enforcing the assault weapons ban that was passed back in January of this year. That action has been appealed to the Seventh Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals. Now, help us understand, does this, action of McGlynn in joining the law, the appeal to the Seventh Circuit, if McGlynn and the Seventh Circuit are in disagreement with one another, does that set up an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court?
1: Uh, Potentially. So if uh, McGlynn has ruled in joining the law statewide, Judge McGlynn has, so that means that the law is not enforceable statewide as it relates to uh, the firearms that are regulated and the sale of those firearms. Uh, that is on appeal to the Seventh Circuit. If the Seventh Circuit reverses uh, McGlynn, then that could be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court does not have to take all the cases that are appealed to it. It has discretion on what cases it takes. Uh, sometimes it does not take cases even that it might overrule if there's not a conflict in the, in the different circuits of the state. So we are in the Seventh Circuit, which covers several Midwestern states or other circuits, of course, then throughout the country. The Seventh Circuit's opinion differs with another circuit, then the Supreme Court is more likely uh, to take that case uh, to clarify the law to avoid that conflict uh, conflict between the circuits. Uh, so when the most recent uh, U.S. Supreme Court case on Second Amendment rights, what we call the Bruin decision, was decided just last year, uh, and in fact was the basis for part of a uh, good part of Judge McLean's ruling. When that was decided, there were other second amendment related cases that were pending before the u.s supreme court that the u.s supreme court did not rule upon just sent back to the uh various circuits and said reconsider these decisions uh based on this ruling that's taking the supreme court was not necessarily taking a position one way or the other just saying you need to reconsider your decision based on the bruin case and i believe that one of those cases uh that was ordered to be reconsidered involved uh a ban of firearms similar to what we call our assault weapons ban to my knowledge that has not been decided by that circuit if it is decided and in conflicts with uh the seventh circuit's ruling whatever that may be and it's likely then the u.s supreme court would take that up this is a long way of saying there is still a ways to go in this case a very favorable ruling in the southern district of illinois in the federal court which You know, we had been telling people to watch that case the whole time Uh, The litigation has been pending because we felt like the federal law was strong in this issue and that uh, there was a strong likelihood that uh, there would be uh, a favorable ruling in that case. But there will still be appeals. There could be even stays of that injunction based on or from higher courts potentially. So uh, it's important uh, for us to keep an eye on these cases as they develop
0: like one of those uh russian wooden dolls that as you just continue to open it up there's another one inside another one inside another one and um i presume that it could be a year or more before all of this ultimately is resolved one way or the other
1: yes i mean, that's uh, i think a fair statement uh that it could could take that length of time Uh, a lot of it because it's an injunction and if there are rulings on the injunction that are favorable uh by the seventh circuit and then that's not taken uh, by the u.s supreme court that would obviously be the quickest path and uh could be resolved more quickly uh than than several years but it yes it's possible that the case uh ultimately takes several years for final resolution
0: All right. Well, it's May, and quickly we'll turn our attention to the fact that the spring legislative session is scheduled to come to a conclusion, I think, on the 19th of this month. Uh, Representative, what are you watching as the big issues uh, yet to be resolved between now and the 19th?
1: Well, the biggest issue, and typically the biggest issue each uh, session, is the budget Uh, that has not uh, been presented yet of course that's sure well known to your listeners and i know to you that uh that often isn't presented till hours before it's voted on unfortunately but there are working groups that are uh, working on the uh various pieces of uh well the various items in the areas such as human services public safety and uh those groups are meeting under an education three of the bigger ones that'll be meeting to discuss what their, their budget items will be under those silos so to speak and uh, ultimately that there will be a final budget process uh, republicans have been involved with the working groups it's yet to be seen what involvement will be able to have on that final product uh, and how much the working groups will impact the final product uh, hopefully there is more involvement than has occurred in the past that's what's been suggested and you know Come the 19th, we'll be able to tell you for sure whether that did occur. The other thing, I sit on the Ethics and Elections uh, Committee. Of course, we have the the, uh, trial involving the four defendants from ComEd that is currently before a jury waiting a decision. Uh, So we are eager to see if there's any ethics legislation that comes forward in response to that. Uh, And we also are expecting uh, an election-related bill that will uh, set the primary date for next year, uh, typically it's the third Tuesday in March for our primary but that has changed in fact just last year it was in june so we'll we'll have to see those are just a few of the things on our radar uh, we have not had um, compared to the last two sessions where i that I was a part of we've not had uh, the large bills that have come forward and and paid a lot of uh, media attention like we've had over those two terms, but that, as you know, can change in the next two weeks uh, pretty quickly.
0: Illinois State Representative Patrick Windhorst with us today. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, Will. Appreciate it.